0: Welcome to the Children 2018 podcast. I'm your guest for today, Nicole, and I'm here with the hosts, Mark and Chase. That's me. Yo. Yeah, <laughs>
1: we got uh, friends galore, accents galore. Oh yeah, we've got the Midwest,
2: we've got New York, we've got the South uh, all represented. So Yo, yo. It, this is beautiful diversity here.
1: Yeah. I'm-
0: yes.
1: In Tennessee, from Texas, so I'm literally covering all of the South. If I could just reach my hand out and grab whatever part of Kentucky is also considered the South for some weird reason, <laughs> I'll I have it all.
0: Yeah, I always thought Kentucky was the South, but it's so far up. I don't.
1: I
2: don't I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it's it. It's south of the Ohio River, therefore it's the South. Exactly. What makes the Ohio River so important? It was really important in the 19th
1: century. For what, boundaries what's the 19th century that
0: if you've played oregon trail you would know how important the ohio river is
1: is that a board game
0: <laughs> it's this very rudimentary pc game <laughs> from like the 90s
1: yeah I, I like rudimentary
0: everybody died in that game
1: oh like you would in, well good for them
2: yeah
0: you would make a list of friends in the beginning and then you'd go on your your journey across the frontier and, and then, one
2: by one you would betray them.
0: Exactly. Or, you know, like someone would die of like a snake bite. Wait, wait, Mark, someone would die like, have of Have you played caries? it? Do you actually know
2: what you're talking about?
1: No, I'm making jokes. Oh, oh.
0: I actually played it.
1: Oh, uh, it sounded like you knew <laughs> what you were talking about. And then Nicole was like, Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually. Yeah, you can't betray when people in that.
0: Oregon Trail. It's a one player game.
1: You're just betraying yourself. Basically. Speaking of ru- okay. speaking of rudimentary things. Mm. There's this uh, genre of music that only takes three instruments and three chords, and it's called punk rock. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're here to uh, discuss some punk rock today. Is, is that correct? Okay.
0: Yes. And we're we're also here about... to
2: discuss some Minnesotans.
0: That ah, you, too. And, you
2: and your Minnesotans. Yes. I love Minnesota. Can't you just
1: tell? <laughs> we can. All of us can. Exactly. Uh, Who are these Minnesotans of which we speak, of which we dare speak, of which we dare allow you to have your allegiances with?
0: Children 18. Sorry, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I was
2: was going to be something more to the effect of, oh, well, they're a trio of homeschoolers from uh, Morris, Minnesota. (laughs) David, Lee Marie, and Seth Hostetter of the great and powerful... Punk
1: rock group Children eighteen three. Now, excuse me if uh, non Christians never write numbers like that, but uh, the eighteen three is a is a Bible verse reference, isn't it?
0: Matthew Matthew eighteen Matthew eighteen three. Yeah, about being let, like let all the children,
1: children come to me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: let oh. all children come to me.
2: Perfect. Oh, like children,
0: like children. Name.
1: And the light bulb just went off. And their siblings. Yes. Yes, they are. (laughs) Wow. So. That's crazy. It's almost like before the modern days, where it was all these husband and wife duos. You go back Mm -hmm. a few years, and you had bands of siblings.
0: Yeah, you had like Barlow Girl. You had Jump Five.
1: Remedy Drive. Remedy Drive.
0: Yeah. Uh, Need to breathe. To breathe, that's only two of them, but still,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you had all these like sibling bands that grew up playing together and they so, had that sibling vibe going on.
1: They played, be- they played in the garage, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, that garages. was their hobby. I Nicole, um, you're from New York, so you might not know. A, a garage is mm-hmm. something uh, attached to a house where you would put something uh, called a car when you're not using it. And it's so the car. It's not say. yellow. It's it's almost any color but yellow. Mm. And you don't. Yellow is very gaudy. You don't have to call to use the car. You can actually just walk up and put in something called a car key and drive it yourself if you happen to have oh a gosh. license. So that's a cool nuts. thing. But you know, some families would uh. There's there, there's a there's like a miniature street coming out of the garage called a, a driveway. And if you put oh. the cars on the driveway instead of in the garage, then you have the space inside of the garage to uh, put up a drum set and some guitar amps and play really loud around four in the afternoon before your neighbors get home.
0: With like the the bead curtains, like in the movie Freaky Friday, right?
1: Yeah, oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's
2: really freaky. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, you know it's funny. You don't,
2: Nicole. You don't know this. <laughs> You don't know this, but last week I introduced this podcast as The Freaky Friday Podcast oh,
0: that's and awesome. I
2: was J- I was Lindsay Lohan and Chase was Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: I believe it. I thought I was Lindsay <laughs> Lohan.
2: Sorry. I have No, a, I was Lindsay Lohan. I have identity I crises better.
1: all the time. So this doesn't surprise
0: it's all, me. It's all good. Yeah. But it's actually funny I'm though. just
2: kidding Chase. You probably look better, especially now that I got my hair cut. Oh, oh my god. That's gosh. why you had your
0: hood on. Wow, looks good. Oh, wow. The listeners can't see it, but it looks good. It looks good. Kudos, Chase. So much hair has gone. I mean, kudos, Mark. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I don't
2: feel a weight difference, but back in my running days, I could definitely feel a running difference when I Mm. uh, cut my hair. Yeah. Yeah. I always had my roommates cut my hair. This
1: this is is almost exactly like uh, last night when I went over to my best friend's house and they just had their uh, poodle cut (laughs) down from this like fro over its entire body to now just almost nothing just a minimal hair that's that Aww. so you, you remind time. me of a shaved poodle is what i'm telling you oh it's God. it's a compliment oh trust well me. thank you yeah i don't i don't really like having my
2: hair this short because i feel like i have a very badly shaped head
0: <laughs>
2: so i like to have longer hair but
0: i don't think your head is oddly shaped at all
2: Oh well,
1: thank you. I think You're it's wrong. the perfect. I think it's the perfect fit for your brain, your oddly shaped <laughs> brain.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? It actually perfectly fits is my glasses because of these giant divots in the side. So mm.
0: there you go. But divots. anyway,
1: well, now that we've anyway, spoken about anyway, I'm done, I'm garages done criticizing and done uh, I, I want to go let's back talk about, let's uh Let's talk about uh,
0: garages though for a second. <laughs> when I was uh, fourteen. When I first started going to youth group, we were going to youth conventions up in Syracuse, which is in upstate New York. Uh, I guess not too far from where, like, Jesse Sprinkle lives. He's in Horseheads, I think. But when we would go to Syracuse, people would know that we were from the Bronx because we wear our youth group t-shirts. And then somebody standing in line behind us, one of the youth leaders from another church, turned to us and she said, I noticed you guys are from the Bronx. Do you guys have yards? And we were just like... (laughs) yes (laughs) because like it's not exactly the way people think it is from the movies and from pop culture like you see movies like fort apache for example that's like the south bronx but there's different parts of the bronx and i'm in a very residential part so we have yards we have garages we have i'm uh, sorry for sprinklers uh,
1: (laughs) for residentially profiling you
0: It's okay. It happens. I'm just a snowflake.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're so unique, and I'm still just trying to figure it out. I'm from Minnesota. If there's anybody that's a snowflake, I'm a snowflake. Yeah, there's a difference between being snow and being surrounded by snow all the time, I think. Okay. I'm still not sure if I've ever seen snow. Snow. Snow.
2: All right, so to begin uh, our first segment of the uh, podcast, we have... Is it five stars? And as we have very heavily alluded to, our selection for the five star album we will be discussing today is going to be the debut album of Children Eighteen Three from two thousand eight.
0: They're self titled. So I well, I was the one who picked who picked the album. Technically, the reason why I picked them out of the very long, long list of five star albums we have is because. Um, I remember when this album first came out, I was in probably my junior year of high school, senior year of high school, around then, and it was just a very fun, bouncy punk rock album, and it was very different from a lot of the other Christian rock that was coming out during that time. There were a lot of Christian rock bands during that time, that was the late 2000s. Some people yep. on staff think that was a bad era for rock, but that's kind of like my teenage years. So I think that's like the best era for rock. I get very nostalgic for that time.
2: We're always drawn to the music from our formative
1: years. Exactly.
0: As we will get
1: to later oh, in our podcast. Gosh. Wait.
0: <laughs> We're not there yet. Yeah. Yes. Way,
1: to, way to throw in the perfect segue, like 15 minutes too soon.
0: Um, But yes, what did you, who who on staff reviewed this album? Are they still with us?
2: David Goodman wrote this review. Uh, nice. He is not on staff anymore. I, think I was really hoping he, that you were going to
1: say he is no longer with us. So I could make some jokes. He passed away. He's gone on to glory. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say greener pastures, but okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's no longer with but, us. Yeah.
2: John also uh, contributed a four and a half star second
1: opinion as well. Right.
0: Yeah, so this what, was well regarded.
1: Their, and their entire discography is well regarded with us. If you look at their first mm-hmm. three albums... With all of like the additional reviews, they never got anything less than four and a half stars from our staff writers. Wow. Um,
0: That's really good.
1: Yeah. Actually, it was basically all three albums got four and a half stars from everyone except the five star main review for the first album. And then their final album come in, which got just a bunch of four star reviews. Okay. Five reviews each gave them four stars, including me. Yeah, the okay. consistency uh, mm-hmm. of our staff and their opinions about this band is fascinating, at least historically. So this conversation will be to see if the three of us have the same sort of consistency <laughs> with what we think about this this first album. Um, yes. I, too, remember when it came out, and uh, it really is. It, it, it unsettles um, how clean the rock was back yeah. then over their career they potentially tame, they they progressively tame out and get a little cleaner and polished and more controlled but this debut album has just a frenetic energy that is so yes. um just like off the wall in your face and yet it feels natural um like it's not like they're trying to force being um like rough and rugged uh um. that's just really exactly what it is <laughs>
2: It's like their siblings that have been playing together in their garage for ten years. What's a garage? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I agree, though. I was gonna—that's one of the words I was gonna when I was thinking about this. Uh, that's one of the u- words I was gonna use. Frenetic. I think that it's just very chaotic. It—they like purposely have that dissonance in there, but they make it sound melodious, and yeah. everything's just kind of seamlessly incorporated. Um, but yeah, it's not. I mean, I rarely hear chord progressions like that i mean just from like the opening track all my balloons it makes so many different shifts it's like you hear multiple genres in that one song (laughs) alone (laughs) yeah yeah but
1: it's all it's all cohesively punk rock definitely Um, but it's uh structurally and thematically like all over the place it's like Um, hardcore punk they're they're unafraid for a song to take any turn that they want it to so that results in a lot of uh, like surprising new sections to songs. Uh, key changes happen all the time. And they, they do a lot of obvious key changes, like right? the third chorus, is just, they just go up a full step. Um, yeah. But they do a lot more interesting stuff too, especially in All My Balloons, which I think is one of those like unforgettable songs. I still remember seeing the music video for the first time. Are, are you all the same with that? Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very uh, gritty for like a Christian rock video. <laughs> There was yeah. no stylism about it. It was like I think it was filmed like in a barn or something. It was black and white. Yeah, yeah. The uh, it definitely had that theme going.
1: Do you have any uh, memories of it, Mark?
2: Um, I was actually, despite uh, me being proud of all things Minnesotan and the band themselves being from Minnesota, I was actually introduced to these guys after come or guys and gal after the rains uh, are coming come in. Or not not oh. coming, not coming. Um, um. rains are coming. Rains a On coming. On the run. On the run. On the run. Oh, the run. Okay. oh okay. That's the third album. Yep. Yeah. 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 But I did, I did listen to all their albums in order. So uh, this was the first Children Eighteen Three album that I heard, and uh, to, to tell you the truth, I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't hadn't really read the reviews for for our reviews for the debut album, and then Rains are coming. Uh, So I had read, you know, the review for On The Run. And from my reading of that review, I don't think I was really at all expecting what was about to hit my ears. And (laughs) I was just like, (laughs) I'm I'm like, mind blown. Yeah. All my balloons popped. What can I say? So I listened to all these albums in sequence, starting with, the debut album and I guess thinking back to it, I don't really necessarily remember how I, you know, how I thought or how I felt about the progression, but you know, before you did this podcast, I re-listened to all four of their albums, like back to, back to back to back to back again. Me too. And yeah, well, there we go. It's a good thing to do They're, I mean, four really good albums, but Damn. I was actually really amazed. Like, I guess I'd kind of figured I had kind of went in thinking that these are all you know very good albums, kind of on the same level. I don't know if I would give uh children eighteen three five well in fact I can answer that question, no, I wouldn't give this album five stars, but I was amazed that after I had listened through all of them, I had a very defined and clear hierarchy of what i uh, how i would place the albums and i didn't have that before that mm. so i mean so what's your hierarchy well my hierarchy is that rains of coming is uh, the easily the best album that they've ever made huh. and yeah we disagree um,
0: <laughs> i disagree yeah sorry <laughs> oh man
2: and uh, you know i love children 18 i love the debut album but my goodness Give me a chance to breathe. There's literally one song that has like any slower tempo or more gentle tempo, and a that song
1: are literally Samantha. Put down, down the gun. The gun. Can, can I just say from on that song that that yeah. song makes me think that Children Eighteen Three are just a band that exists inside the movie Scott Pilgrim vs the World. <laughs> It's. It makes it seem like they're a fictional band that just writes these one-minute-long songs, and they go and play them for audiences for five minutes, and then they disappear, and then they just show up. Yeah. That's, or they disappear inside of a video game or something, but uh. <laughs> continue. Yeah. Well. You mean you mean like why are we
2: afraid of the dark tonight, little one? Yeah. <laughs> that just keeps on going and going.
0: That's one of my favorite. Why Are
2: You Afraid of the Dark? Dark. I I know, I like that
0: song too. It's one of my favorite songs by them. And it has Christian from Blindside in it as well, which is great. I didn't even know they would have run in the same circles.
1: Wait, what song is that?
0: Why Are You Afraid of the
1: Dark? (laughs) Why Are You Afraid of the Dark? (laughs) It's from From, uh, On the Run. On the Run.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: I think I might have quit on that album before I got there. See, see, back, back <laughs> in, to, to be fair that was my
2: least favorite one of the four so
1: yeah so back in 2012 when that album came out i loved that album or at least i remember really liking it and i was shocked um revisiting the discography this week that it was by far my least favorite um mm.
0: mm-hmm.
2: i mean like i was saying this album is 37 37- almost or just over 37 minutes long and very fast it honestly you know for as fast as it is for as like um as intense as it is it feels a lot longer just because mm. it never stops you know and i guess that was one thing that was a drawback for me you it's know it's kind of
0: like uh a- Demon Hunter's album, "The World Is a Thorn." That one didn't stop at all, really, until like the end.
2: And that's one reason why I like come in or not come in. Um, rains are coming so much better, <laughs> just because rains I mean, are coming. Rains are coming. What did
1: I say? No, no, I just he's saying said like, ra- it's,
0: <laughs> he's making uh, a pun. Rain, okay. rains well, yeah, okay. it's, it's like the, the the
1: title of one album already exists in the title of another. So the fact that you another keep confusing album. the two makes sense because... Sorry. Yeah.
0: Hmm. It's okay.
1: Well, Reigns of
2: Common is, you know, definitely less frenetic, still definitely pop punk, not pop punk, not pop punk, excuse me.
0: It's more commercial. Punk
2: rock. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they it's just a little bit cleaner. You know, they sound better. And uh, but it's still punk rock, yeah. As opposed to come in, as opposed to on the run, which is (laughs) a pop rock album, just totally a pop rock album without like any punk. I would
1: still call that, which there
2: isn't, which there isn't
1: anything wrong with that. I'm not sure that you and I share the same definitions of pop punk.
0: (laughs) True that. Well, how do you define? Pop punk as a genre because it it, ex, it encompasses so many different bands with so many different sounds. I mean, Reliant, Reliant K is pop punk, too. And they don't sound anything like Children Eighteen Three.
2: Yeah, let me say it like this. Uh, Reliant K. Uh, two less don't make it right, but three do. Pop punk. Uh, five score and seven years ago,
0: pop. Pop.
1: Yeah, pop. <laughs> More like pomp.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would have really called it like pure pop, though. I
1: I, I would agree that um, the Children Eighteen Three album does follow in the course of a similar energy and to some extent uh, the same group of tempos throughout most of the songs. But you know, Mark, you said that kind of makes it feel like a, a longer album to you. I'm sure there's listeners out there. Who would think that that makes the album just zip by really quickly? Um, for me, it does. Yeah. Like for it, what's funny is like Children Eighteen Three are so good at doing so much in just two minutes, two and a half minutes, that the only time that the album seems to slow down for me is when they get like above three and a half. Which is funny, is that's that's the normal area where most artists live. Um, for Children Eighteen Three, anything that goes above three thirty, above four minutes, that's the only time that I think they really lag. As, as artists yeah. and songwriters. And maybe that's just conditioning because you get used to a song that's as filled to the brim with ideas as All My Balloons, which is only like two and a half minutes, That you, yeah. you get used to it. But I don't think it's really a detraction. I think you could argue that it's just them knowing what they do well and just doing it and not trying to um, deviate from their strengths just for quote-unquote variety. Um, because I don't think anyone's asking for a variety if the songs are good. Yeah,
2: and um, I mean, please do not get me wrong. It's a personal preference. I think well, sure. this is a really good album.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, with regards to speed, I mean, that's how punk is, because I think even the Rolling Stones, when they first started out, they would have to play their set twice just to fill, like, the time slot for the venue because their songs went by so quickly. <laughs>
1: that's funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's a fun fact. I read it somewhere.
1: Um, but speaking of the songs themselves, uh, we haven't really mentioned. I don't think we've mentioned anything yet besides Samantha and All My Balloons and
0: All My Balloons. So yeah, yeah. let's talk about that.
1: Um, um, do Do you all have any favorites? Nicole, I'll let you go first. Uh,
0: yes. Well, for me, Homemade Valentine was my go-to song for any mix CD I burned during my teenage and college years. <laughs> I, it didn't That's matter awesome. who I was making it for. I just knew that they would like homemade Valentine, and almost always it was a it was a crowd pleaser. It's just a very catchy, fun song. It was probably the most commercial on the debut album because it didn't have so many like frenetic chord changes and things like that. It was just a very catchy, straightforward song. Yeah, it's but funny. We always like wonder what it was about.
1: I, I wouldn't actually personally uh, label that as a more commercial song. I think Search Warrant is the closest thing this album has to like a commercial like big catchy chorus radio ready song um but uh looking at spotify today uh even with four albums out homeward or homemade valentine is one of the most popular songs i think it was like number three um so i obviously (laughs) a lot of people agree with you and i would easily list that as one of my favorites as well um
0: yeah and i think it's funny because when you listen to the lyrics, because I mean they like to write a lot of cryptic lyrics, and you sometimes have to look online to find out what a song is about. Yeah. Um, like Last Chance Marie is based on a movie. I don't know if it was a Born Identity or it was one of those Born Identity. And yeah, then, it was a Born Identity. Yeah, and uh, We're Also Fond of Dying is based. It's about abortion.
1: Um, oh, interesting.
0: But, yeah, yeah. So, but Homemade Valentine, I used to have like conversations with my ex boyfriend about Homemade Valentines, like. Well, I think it's about, like, when Jesus died and he was in the tomb, and then the disciple—it was before the resurrection, so the disciples were kind of like, what happens now, in a
1: way? <laughs> I think I, I, I read something similar there, but it was about him on the cross, and, like, they were putting all of their hopes on him, um, mm-hmm. but they all seemed like false hopes now, because he's dying, rather than yeah. becoming what they, what they expected— out of a messiah yeah um, there's
0: that line in the song three days past our king was cast
1: oh okay well that yeah i guess that positions it yeah i i haven't done any deep dives into the lyrics yet
0: yes so. mark
2: do you hear my dog barking in the background i'll be very able to take faintly that out. okay then i won't worry
0: <laughs> what kind of dog do you have
2: a vishla Oh, wiggity, what?
0: I don't even know what that is.
2: <laughs> Nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows. Is that what a Minnesotan, Minnesotan
0: dog? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, they're a Hungarian dog.
1: They're Hungarian vishlas.
0: So that's a Minnesotan dog, then.
1: Vishla. I guess we can just uh, pass it over to Mark. Uh, do you have any favorite songs from the album? Wh- is it just All My Balloons for you? Or does anything else stand out? Well, honestly, the
2: three that you've said so far, uh not not I mean it's it's hard for me because the album feels so uh, you know, frenetic and just won't stop. It, they they kind of I mean, they they run together for me.
0: Even sleeping. That one was fun. That uh, one was like the first taste of ska on the album.
1: Right. So that's that's actually an issue I have with the album, and warranted. Uh, it's more of a personal preference thing. Um, I yeah. hate ska. <laughs> ah. uh, well, specifically, I hate I hate reggae, which in turn makes me hate a lot of ska. Um, yeah. Just because of that that obvious connection, the like the upstroke guitar that kind of makes it feel ska y the- yeah, Scott. Yeah, um, yeah. That technique drives me insane, but specifically when it happens on even sleeping, it sounds like a $100 Epiphone guitar being played clean with no effects going into like a cheap $100 Fender Champion amp like it's it just sounds so low quality to me and i know there's there's a punk aesthetic throughout the album that none of it is like wonderfully produced and they're not focusing too hard but i still think most of the album has fine guitar tones and that the guitar tone is, is so just like in your face with just like nothingness and like no character no like good sound it it almost ruins even sleeping to me but it still has a good enough chorus and a great enough ending to revive yeah. it for me. And so it's still a really good song. Um, but for me as as track five, the preceding four is like it's untouchable. It's such a strong yeah. uh beginning. Oh, yeah. And then so the, the one song that almost just lays the album to waste for me is The City. Because I that, hate the
0: city. Thank you. Oh. It's
1: it's that it's that upstroke on the guitar, that same clean, cheap guitar tone the entire time, and it never stops. Thankfully, also, it's in between two of my favorite songs. I love Ditches. I love Homemade Valentine. And yeah. um, being two of my favorites, it's at least like what all everything that I hate about the city doesn't last for long because it's immediately redeemed. Yeah. But I would I would almost say that like it's almost every other song are my favorite songs from the album. Um, uh, all my balloons. You know we're also fond of dying. Search warrant. Ditches. Homemade Valentine. Mock the music time and wasted bullets um that basically covers all the standouts for me which is a lot of the album (laughs) it's it's a whole lot of the album um and it for me it really is a stacked album that uh it holds its weight and even now as we're coming upon the 10-year anniversary of it which is crazy um it's still like it has that energy that unfortunately I, i do think got lost um, in the rest of their career, what it, like this album has that it factor that is really only displayed here. Um, I agree.
0: Going back to what you were saying though about the city, so when the when the album first came out, I had a Zune player. I don't know if you guys remember Zune. It was yeah. basically the Microsoft <laughs> yeah. version of the iPod. So I. Back then, Zune would charge you basically the full price for every song on the album. So if you bought the whole album, you didn't pay $9.99. You would pay, like, however many songs were on the album, I think, was the price that you paid on Zune. I'm Ouch. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. I have to look that up. But I would. De- I deliberately did not buy The City because I was like, I hate this track. <laughs> I'm going to save my money and just play all the other ones. And then later down the line, I finally listened to The City on iTunes when I got an iPod. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is this is tolerable. It's not that bad. <laughs> but <laughs> definitely my least favorite song on the album. It just doesn't fit tonally with the rest of the album either because every song is so, like, breakneck intensity. Yeah. And this song is just too happy in a way. Like, it just feels too lighthearted and, like, yeah, I the, don't know. It's a, It's like a Five Iron Frenzy song.
1: There's a sense to me which, like, that, that happiness, that, like, in your face, like, here is a bunch of major chords, that's the, the surest way to ruin punk music.
0: Yeah, like, um, I think happy punk chords. only
1: works with, like, the minor chords, the, the darkness, the contrast. Um, I think you need that there, or else punk just becomes, like, a joke.
0: Well, what about metal? Like, I'm trying to think, like, what if Demon Hunter played a song with just, like, major chords what would that sound like would it would they even be have crazy. a song like
1: that it would sound like <laughs> satire <laughs> and even like august burns red have kind of tried that like one of the things that they aimed for with their album leveler was trying to position most of their riffs and their heaviness within like major key um sounds and even then like I think it it's it's an interesting experiment but it doesn't completely work and even in like most of the success from leveler is when they branch away from that and get dark in the way that, you know, August Burns Red usually does. Um, and there, 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 are moments of that, like too happy, too bright on other songs. Um, Mm -hmm. like there's a little bit of it in all my balloons, which is fine because that's a perfect song. Um, yes. The, uh, most of the times that they make those like big end of the song key changes, that usually comes across as well as a little too peppy, <laughs> a little too, a little too happy for the genre and the style. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the city's the, the city's the main offender in that. I think Mock the Music maybe uh, is, is a little too happy as well.
0: Yeah. That one's I want to be sad.
1: Too. Give me sad. <laughs> Give me angry.
0: What did you guys think of the reprise of Balloons that they stuck in there before the last track? I think it was awesome. Yeah.
2: I think it was awesome and welcome.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then uh, we have Final. Final was an interesting song. I mean, I listened to that in college. Like, I was in my freshman year of college. I would bring my laptop to school, and I would play my music whenever we would sit out on the quad during breaks. Yeah. And, you know, I listened to Christian Rock, and my friends weren't familiar with it, and so, like, what is this stuff? But (laughs) I remember listening to final and you know those lines of you know their fathers killed the prophets well hallelujah they're going to kill us too and one of my friends heard that and they were like what what is this song about but yeah it's a it's basically a song i guess about end times right
2: horsemen shot riding shouting laughing yeah yeah basically right. <laughs> children dance children dance on the ground angels join in the gladness the end will come here soon yeah, it is.
1: And again, I haven't taken any deep dives into the lyrics, so I can't speak on the specifics too well. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm kudos to the band for going into the darker aspects of Christianity and not letting it stay stuck on like the positive messages, the uh, yeah. um, safe for the whole family <laughs> type. They v- struggle
0: that, geographic references.
1: I don't know, so. I'll I, there. I, there's one last point, maybe. I mean, we could probably talk about this for too long. So between how much I like songs like Search Warrant and uh, Bethlehem, there, there's a version of Children Eighteen Three that exists nowhere that I would love to exist. That mm-hmm. where uh, where Lee Marie is the lead vocalist and David yeah. is just a guitarist and sings harmonies. I know David is the primary songwriter, so, um, but I, there's also there there's other bands where the main songwriter isn't the main vocalist, and Fred. hey, and I just I <laughs> every song where Lee Marie is uh is is taking lead, I I've just become more interested, I think.
0: Well, I think she did a lot of the lead vocals on their last album. Come in, yeah. I think David kind of took a, a more of a backseat in that well, album.
1: I this is just theorizing um but i i'm thinking that that's because he was losing his voice i think so too we're taking a quick break to introduce you to this week's sponsor tooth and nail records a few weeks ago we were telling you about their spotify playlists which are still on spotify still great so please go search those out But today I want to focus on one of the bands you might find on those Spotify playlists and one you might not recognize. That's Off-Road Minivan, one of the newest signees to the label's roster. And quite frankly, one of my favorite new acts that I've found in a long time. They just released their debut EP, Spiral Gaze, and we're going to play a clip of the title track now. And we'll be playing the full song at the end of the episode, so stick around for that. Uh, This band seriously excites me. They remind me of a softer, beloved, a heavier Jimmy world, a more streamlined RX Bandits. They just have a lot of things that I love and a lot of things going for them. And I I can compare them to a few artists, but they really have their own sound that they seem like they've locked into even on just this four-song EP so please go listen to those four songs. I hope you'll love them as much as I do. And go check out those playlists on Spotify to see what else Tooth & Nail has going on. So again, here is a clip of the song Spiral Gaze by Off Road Minivan.
0: this was an album that came out during our formative years i would say i'm 26 how old are you guys again
1: i just turned 26 actually oh. i'm 26
0: oh well there what? you go we're all the same age oh wow uh-huh. crazy yeah that's hey awesome. i
1: already knew that
0: wait when's your birthday mark uh september okay so i'm well, older than you and i'm older than. well wait you. Wait, okay. wait wait
2: <laughs> wait excuse me uh when is my birthday Look at my staff page.
0: Oh, I, re- I remember that, your staff page. My, you felt my... like this little riddle in there for your birthday and I figured it out. It's like the blank day of the blank month of the blank year. So, yeah, but I'm actually older than both of you. So I'm mm-hmm. wiser.
1: <laughs> in your Not wisdom, tell us about your <laughs> formative years. I <laughs> like how you like, became uh, so.
2: Three months, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm, I, I was born in August. I'm August, so... Oh, one month. Whoa, one there month. we go. August 23rd.
1: So yeah. you're an Augustinian.
0: Sure, why not? From Hippo, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay.
2: Well, he <laughs> wasn't actually from Hippo. He was just <laughs> living in he Hippo. Of Hippo, yeah. Yeah. He was
1: just hanging uh,
0: out in Hippo. He did seminary in Hippo. Huh.
1: And Or uh, Augustinian could also be like uh, Martin Luther, who was an Augustinian monk. A monk of the Augustinian order. So
0: Yeah. I'm not uh, a familiar he went
1: with the monks. Uh I mean,
0: what?
2: And and then he went renegade.
0: Oh renegade, yeah. Yeah. I thought you was I thought you were saying that he was venerated. I'm like, nah, he would not have been venerated after that. Wouldn't
1: wouldn't no. renegade monks be a pretty great children eighteen three song?
0: That would be a good band name. That would name. be a good
1: band name.
0: Yeah, it's renegade monks. <laughs>
1: Y'all want to form a former band?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I can't
2: sing and I can't play any instruments, so I'd be perfect.
1: You can yeah. run. Like, can you
0: clap on beat?
1: Our merch table. <laughs> yeah. Get it. I can Get do it background alto things. harmonies.
0: And I can, I can clap on beat. You so sing. I'll be good at that. I sing. Yeah, I can sing. You've seen my church videos, probably on Facebook. I have every Sunday. Have. And join us live at ten forty-five. That's what I always post on Snapchat. Join us live at ten forty-five, <laughs> and uh, yeah.
2: I, I wouldn't know. I literally spend, I literally go to nothing on Facebook except for the staff page. That's, That's the only, the and, and and whatever relates to my other job with MileSplit.
1: Our staff page be. is the only reason I have a Facebook. My oh, Facebook wow. was deactivated for three years and I was very happily living without it until uh, Jesus Freak brought me on board. I was like, all right, I guess it's time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, entered the matrix again. <laughs> yes, yes, Well, for me, I was doing a Facebook fast this summer that I was brought on board. So they had to like wait a month to really start talking to me <laughs> and get to know me. Yeah. So that was actually a good summer. That was 2016. That. Yeah, that was Mark. Mark's the one who reached out to me. He emailed me and uh, I had been praying like for God to open the doors for me to write again about something. But I hadn't blogged in a while. And so I was like, I don't know what I'm going to write about. Yeah, And then all of a sudden I get this random – I had been actively commenting on the site with no ulterior motives at all, just actively commenting as a fan, yeah. as a reader. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark reached out to me via email, and he's like, you know, we noticed you've been posting a lot of insightful comments on the website. And we, we, we saw this reader review you submitted for Brooke Fraser's Brutal Romantic a few years ago. That was like 2014, I think, 2015 maybe. And uh, we – um we were wondering if you'd like to be a staff writer. And I was like, oh, yes, okay. <laughs> and, uh, That's awesome. And then I, I jumped on board, and I, the first album I reviewed was Becca Shay's album, Mighty. Yeah. Very
1: she cool. didn't
2: have to jump through the same hoops that we made you jump through, Chase. Seriously. It yes. was I no got, hazing. I got
1: hazed.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Well, you deserved it. Yeah.
0: We had to tame you.
1: <laughs> yeah, Mark. <laughs> it hasn't
0: worked. <laughs> Yeah, you, you still write in all caps sometimes. I've noticed.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> all caps all the time. You're you're still the Children
2: Eighteen Three debut, and I've moved on to Reigns and cummin. Uh <laughs> That's funny.
1: That's funny. Um, okay, well, actually, before we move on, uh, we have to ask the final question. Children Eighteen Three, Nicole, is it five stars?
0: It's four and a half for me.
1: All right. Uh, I don't I'm, like
0: the city. Yeah, the I'm city also kind
1: of I'm also a no. Um, there's there's enough minor detractions for me to say uh, that it falls short of perfect. And I also I've said this before. I don't think that five stars means you have to like every song. Um, I do think there's exceptions to that. Um, but there's also there's there's a there's a review from a different website of the album that I like a lot. And the review says it's a three and a half star review of the album, but it's still really mm-hmm. positive. And he says that this ba- band sounds like Christian kids who listen to a lot of Rancid and Motorhead. And you know those are artists that I'm not very familiar with. So it makes me think that th- there might be just veins of punk music and artists that, they're taking a lot of inspiration from that I'm just not familiar with. And I think Children 18.3 brought something to your tooth and nail Christian audience that mm. they weren't familiar with, yeah. um, but existed out in the world. And I think there's a certain extent to which I-, I want to be aware of my ignorance and not think, oh my gosh, this is some crazy new thing. Um, but instead recognize like they just introduced us to something that you know they they did, they did a good job of it but they didn't invent it and they didn't do a perfect job of it so yeah i i would also make it uh fall short of 5 and my other thoughts behind that is i always think um i i i don't look very fondly upon debuts that i also think were the artist's best album as mm-hmm. i like i don't want to listen to artists that don't grow and improve over time so if an artist's best work is their first album, uh, then that you know, is, is really a downer for me. But to Children eighteen three's credit, my second favorite album is Come In, their final album. Um so for my for my tastes, their career is bookended by their best albums with just some growing pains in between, but still solid releases all around. But that's I, yeah. that's that's three no's then.
0: Well, what rating would you give it, Chase?
1: Um, I haven't landed yet. Um, four would be most comfortable, but four and a half is still a solid possibility. Can you, Mark? I'm a strong four.
0: Okay. All
2: right. But def- definitely not four and a half. Definitely four. not. All right. Hey, it's a uh-huh. strong four. Though. <laughs> it's like 4.2.
0: Four is a good rating, yeah. yeah You're a strong like four. It's like when you get an 80 on a test and it's like, why didn't you get a 90 or a 95 or a 100?
1: Because of the city.
0: <laughs> exactly, because of the city. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, this album came out during our formative years. So now let's segue into this segment about the albums that shaped our formative years.
2: Sorry, I already used the perfect segue to this segment, but what can I say? We've been... Review or we've been talking for an hour and a half by now. Yeah. <laughs> I know.
0: I mean, we can always edit it and, you know, cut and paste Mark's we, segue. We
1: well, can always chase,
0: edit it. Chase, chase can edit it and cut and paste Mark's segue <laughs> over for here. Thanks the work
1: you're giving me to do.
0: <laughs> like, sleep. You're
1: such good friends.
0: Oh, so sorry, Chase. So sorry. Well, you don't have to do it. It's, just, it's fine. It's You'll sleep tonight. We're, spit, we're spitballing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... What albums, Mark, what albums shaped your formative years?
2: Oh, wow. You're just really getting into it then, aren't you? Okay, well. Yeah.
0: As yeah. I know I'm the guest, but. Okay. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, as long as you ask so directly, I'll answer really directly. Um, Rich Mullins, The Newsboys, and we're, ta- we're talking about three, al- or three artists.
0: Three albums, uh, Well, yes. not, yeah, three, not artists. Three, three artists, albums, yeah.
1: three artists, and Well, I, I could pick uh, ahem, our, our specific albums for mine. but Ahem. Who's Ahem? So, wait, Rich Mullins, Newsboys, and Ahem? Yes, Rich Mullins, Newsboys, and Ahem.
2: Otherwise known as... You know, I, I still haven't Jewish. figured out who I would pick here because there's different... I'm trying to decide if uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman was more influential on my uh on my musical tastes on my ultimate you know what I ended up enjoying and what I listened to as a youngster or if it was jars of clay <laughs> uh I still cuz both of them they were both kind of different time periods but kind of the same time period and they both um uh, had very I don't want to get into the whole story behind it, or maybe I will because that's literally the entire point of this segment is to talk about the uh, s- talk about the music that we listened to as youth that ultimately shaped youths. our musical tastes and that we really enjoyed. The albums that
1: euthanized us.
2: Uh, no, these the opposite of euthanization is maturation. the uh, albums that helped us grow into the people that the music <laughs> listeners that we ended up becoming
0: yeah
1: i'm glad our listeners now know that the opposite of euthanization is maturation yes, um, well it
2: makes sense doesn't it
1: totally hey,
2: every every once in a while i say something smart
1: i'm not a total <laughs> every once in a while you say something smart and unfortunately we're not recording every once in a while
0: Mark Mark, you do know what euthan, euthan is. I, euthan, you know what that stuff is, right?
1: Yes, I do know what that is. <laughs>
0: Euthanasia. Can nobody
2: get the, can nobody get that I have a dry sense of humor? Come on.
0: I'm sorry, you're so deadpan, I can't tell. I thought Are you I am TJ too?
2: <laughs> this is literally the third time today that I've done something with a real like really dry reaction that was intended to be humorous. And it just totally backfired each time.
0: I'm so sorry. You got to give us the guns, you know? You're like, well, hey. But then it's not dry. <laughs> Euthanasia! The entire, the entire <laughs> God, point Euthanasia. of a dry sense of humor is
2: to not give in to the fact that you're making a joke.
0: Okay, okay. Now I want to make
1: uh, Euthanasia the musical.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> so
1: as I was saying
2: before, um, you know, as long as we're jumping right into it uh rich mullins the newsboys and then i'm still trying to decide for my last two uh or excuse me for my last one because steven curtis chapman and jars of clay both were very influential for very different reasons
1: so should i flip a coin for you what should i flip a coin for you no, please don't do so that. I can't do here, that. Here's I can't the thing that that that. Uh, Why
0: don't you kick out Rich right Mullins now. then? <laughs> okay.
2: uh, well, how dare you? <laughs>
0: okay, you Have, cut you, have off? you read? Have you seen the verses um, of our God is an awesome God?
2: Yeah, of course.
0: You know how the verses go?
2: Yeah, They go. Okay, hold on. One when second.
0: he when he rolls up his sleeves, please, he, ain't he ain't just, just putting, putting on the, the
2: rips. Our God is yeah. an awesome God. His, stunts, and his foot stopped and lightning in his fists. Our God is an awesome God. It's so He's great. Lord, he to wasn't joking hymns. when he kicked him out of Eden. <laughs> it wasn't for no reason that he shed his blood. His return is very close and so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God. Oh
0: my gosh. Based
2: on
1: that performance. We, that's why Mark, we only
0: sing the chorus. Okay, That's why we only singer. sing the chorus.
1: <laughs> Mark, you are officially Based... the singer of Regenade, uh, Renegade Monks.
0: Why? Beautiful
1: performance. <laughs> really? Um, What? What baffles me, Mark, is that this conversation uh, was, was your idea and you asked us all to have three artists to discuss yeah. and yet you can't decide what your three artists are. So why don't we just have four? Okay. Good idea.
0: Why not five? You are no, <laughs> Well, I went why
2: with not three. I went with, okay. The reason I went with three is because of the rule of three. You guys no. know the rule of three, right? No, it's I rule
0: know the of law two. of four from Shutter Island.
2: No, it's the rule of three. It's the rule of two from Star Wars. In, in, liter- in literature, um, three is the perfect length for a list.
1: A list uh, of
0: what? The, That's not my grocery list. The rule of three list.
1: in <laughs> film is that the same joke is only funny three times.
0: Well, in conversation, the topic gets old by the third person, I think. There's three of us here. There are three of okay. us.
2: Yeah. I mean, okay, so I'm looking. I'm looking at the rule of three on Wikipedia. Um, so I'm gonna uh, to right. all of this out. I know.
0: Yeah. This is
2: punishment, y'all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I like to torture Chase. Blah blah blah. Um, Rich Mullins in in chronological order: Rich Mullins, Newsboys, and Stephen Curtis Chapman. And if I had to throw in a fourth, uh, Jars of Clay.
0: Why those
2: choices? Why those choices? Well, I mean, you got to know a little bit about me, I suppose. Uh, Rich Mullins, totally my brother. Um, about 75% of my life was predetermined by the fact that I wanted to either emulate or uh, opposite of emulate my brother. Um, and he liked Rich Mullins. And so he he was... Probably the first artist that I ever really listened to in my, um, like, young years. I'm talking, like, five, six, seven. I think I was seven. I No, I was six or seven when Rich Mullins died. And I don't really remember it, but I remember, like, soon after, um... And aunt, my brother was the only one that really listened to a lot of music at the time, and so I, I heard Rich Mullins a lot. And he was more... Le- I, I heard some other things, like we had the WoW 90s compilation that, well, that was you know, a little bit later after I'd kind of already been established with Rich Mullins. But... Um, You know, so I kind of expanded my taste a little bit with that, but by the the time I really started listening to other music, I was really firmly in the uh, Rich Mullins camp and Awesome God. uh, You know, we had our little family devotionals, and uh, my family would make me pray, and I was never good at praying, and so it was always hard. But I loved the little... uh, little worship sessions that we would do because we would sing the chorus of Awesome God and it was fun. I'm reminiscing. I'm sorry about that.
0: No, that's great.
2: Yeah. What age are you
1: talking about right now?
2: So, right now we're talking about like eight years and younger. Okay. So, So
1: I'm I'm curious uh, if you don't mind me asking did your fandom of Rich Mullins become, like, a bonding point between you and your brother? In a way, yeah. Um, I mean, there was definitely, you know,
2: other things that we bonded over. That was right around the time that he kind of started expanding out a little bit, too. And as, as he expanded out, then I expanded out, and my sister also expanded out at the same time. And that kind of gets me into... My second artist that really influenced my years, although the reason and the only reason that I started listening to Stephen Curtis Chapman is because I was a fan of the TV show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and the song Live Out Loud mentions, mentions yeah. that show.
1: Oh, that's oh. funny. Aww.
2: And that okay. is the oh, that's only funny. reason that I became a fan of Stephen Curtis Chapman, and it probably took another five years before I, like, legit became like, yes, I like Stephen Curtis Chapman and I like his music and I like his messages and I can sing along to all of them and I know what they all mean. And before that, it was just, oh, he's the guy that had that song about
1: uh, who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> That's so funny because that, that reference is like the one thing I really don't like about that song, Live Out Loud. <laughs> I never even heard the song. So. We become
2: fans of music for very silly reasons. Uh, in fact, you know how I became a fan of the Newsboys?
0: how did you become a fan of the from Newsboys? From the newspaper.
1: You took a trip to no. Australia. You went to the disco. No. The Jonah movie.
0: Really? From VeggieTales.
2: VeggieTales, oh, yeah. wow. Funny. Yeah, because they have the end credits song in the belly of the whale uh, and we had I had the um, soundtrack I had the uh, DVD for it and on the DVD they had the music video and the first time I saw the music video I had literally no context I, mm-hmm. in hindsight I had heard the song Shine but I had no idea that make that you was
1: new. make you wish that they were not
2: but yeah, in any event fear. um
0: we're so I saw the
2: music video to uh, Belly in Belly of the Whale, and I just thought it was the weirdest thing. The guys looked weird. I mean, Peter Further looked really weird with his bald, and he always wore the, that earpiece, so I thought that he was deaf. But it was <laughs> actually- You're a great singer for a deaf guy. <laughs> it's a miracle. But anyway... And then right after the music video to In the Belly of the Whale. I'd be they wor- worried played...
1: that we might offend uh, deaf listeners. But I don't think we're going to have any of those. Hey,
2: hey, listen. I was 10, <laughs> okay? Don't.
0: Oh, no, you're not the problem. It's us.
2: I'm the problem. Um, okay. But anyway, getting back to my point. Right after the music video for In the Belly of the Whale. They played the music video for A uh, Million Pieces. And uh, like that was like one of their real songs, quote unquote, real songs. At least that's what I called it then. Because in the belly of the whale, that was just a fake song because that was for a movie. And uh, the kind of song that
1: you can't really touch with your hands. Right. Exactly. It's fake. It's not really
0: there. Yeah. Let's not debate the legitimacy of songs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but because of because of that song,
2: because of Million Pieces, I bought the very first album that I ever bought with my own money, which was Thrive, and. Uh, I loved the album Thrive. I loved the song Thrive. That was, for years, my favorite Newsboys song. Still one of my favorite Newsboys songs. Did you ever get Um, the
1: Thrive remix album? No, I did not get the Thrive Oh, that was a favorite of mine in my childhood. And also,
2: indirectly, uh, this is kind of a tangent, but it's also kind of related. Um, It was the Jonah movie that also helped me discover uh, DC Talk in kind of a really roundabout way. Because I'd heard the song Jesus Freak, but again, like Shine, no idea what DC Talk was, who DC Talk was. It's just like this song, I'd heard David it. Kraft Talk. And, but no, this is really roundabout, so pay careful attention. I watched a Jonah movie, discovered the Newsboys from their music video, bought the album Thrive, then later bought uh, Shine the Hits which had the remix of God is not a secret, which featured Toby Mac. I think I had heard the name Toby Mac before. I discovered he was a guy that was on DC talk. And I discovered that Jesus freak was a song by DC talk. And then Jesus freak became my favorite song ever.
0: Have you ever ordered a Toby Mac at McDonald's?
2: Uh, No, (laughs) I've never ordered a Toby Mac at McDonald's. Zing. I mean, to tell you the truth, I really do have pretty superficial reasons for liking the music that I liked. I just listed off those three really influential bands. And if I were to throw in a Jars of Clay in there, um, the reason that I ever started listening to them is because... Your house flooded? On our <laughs> No, on our Madden video game, my brother replaced all the music with Jars of Clay songs because oh, he was wow. oh, a fan. Oh, that's funny. That's awesome. And I ended up hating jars of clay just <laughs> hating because i heard them all the time yeah so just you'd be playing all the time you'd be playing so, a football
0: video game and like flood would be playing in the background
2: no it wasn't flood it was all the songs from the 11th hour oh Oh, i don't even like that album
0: <laughs> I, I i'm not the like i like, I like that album now
2: but i hated jars of clay for like two years Until I ended up hearing um, all the songs from Who We Are Instead. And then I became a fan. And then I became a really big fan. Um, But again, just really superficial reasons of how I ended up liking the music that I liked when I was younger. But eventually, I mean, I did develop a connection with the messages. You know, with Stephen Curtis Chapman and with Rich Mullins. Um. But you know that was years do- years on down the line.
1: So I'm weird. So we know, right?
0: We love you anyway.
1: I'd rather ask you things about things I don't know. So I'm not going to ask you about your weirdness. I'm curious. So we know how you were introduced to these artists. In what ways would you say that they formed you? In what ways? Well,
2: Rich Mullins, I think, kind of formed my like basic. T- I mean. I became a fan of pop music, pop rock music, kind of like that folk sound. Mm-hmm. I know those are like three kind of distinct sounds, but he covers the spectrum, and so that's I think why I ended up getting into that particular you know genre, um, and why I grew so uh, an affinity for that genre. And to this day, I think considering all the other types of genre, the ones that I really am drawn to the most are like this kind of pop rock, folk rock, folk, you know, the Sarah Groves, the Andrew Peterson, the indie, you know, that in what has kind of now become that like that indie sound, Josh Garrels. Yeah. You know, I that's, you know, that's my hometown. <laughs> and I think that, you know, Rich Mullins really had a the biggest influence on that. Um, For sure. For the Newsboys, you know, that was, you know, pop music. And mm. that was Christian pop. You know, the Newsboys were the first band that I listened to that I really, like, consciously knew as I was listening. Hey, this is a Christian band. Mm. The Newsboys were a Christian band. And I liked them because were? they were a Christian band. What happened? I'm, t- I'm speaking in past tense about my childhood. Okay? So um, you were a Christian? What? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I was a Christian. Yes.
0: He still is. I still am.
2: <laughs> I was then. And you will be. And I will be. Amen. God willing. <laughs> and then for Stephen Curtis Chapman, you know, he's a little more of the oddball because to tell yeah. the truth, I'm not... Much of a fan of like Christian contemporary music, like mainstream, you know radio pop what I'm not i I was at one point, but I really probably um I think it was when I really just dis- started discovering like more rock music probably around 2010 twenty eleven that that recurring I really theme.
1: Kinda, that you uh mentioned in every yeah single I've, episode. Me- I've
2: mentioned that a few times in a in a couple of podcasts. I'm not a really huge fan of that genre, so Stephen Curtis Chapman is more of an outlier there. But his influence on me is a lot more personal, I think. You know, because of Stephen Curtis Chapman, I am I feel led to adopt one day because of the inspiration that he is in my life in that effect and just my admiration uh for kind of what what he's been able to represent in his life and the same thing has become true with rich Mullins but that's not why I fell in love with his music uh, whereas on the other hand that is why I fell in love with Stephen Curtis Chapman's music it was more extra musical than that well other than the who wants to be a millionaire thing
1: Cool. very cool. So I will say there, there's a there's a few things I really relate to. Um, one, my my brother is five years older than me and we we, we fought and didn't get along for most of my childhood. Um, I'm not going to get uh, you know, today into um, my love of thrice and how formative they were for me. I'm gonna go a little bit younger into my childhood than that but when i was in 6th grade uh, my brother who just blasted thrice music all the time it eventually just like brainwashed me and i was like hey big brother that that one thrice song i guess it ain't that bad and that was basically the start of our friendship <laughs> because and that was how he sounded we yeah yeah no that that was my that that was you know how 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 12 year old me spoke um uh-huh. but uh <laughs> there's a dog whining in the background um but like having that one musical artist in common finally gave us common ground upon which to build a friendship, which is still extremely strong or stronger than ever. Uh, you know, now 14 years later. Um, and then the other thing I relate to is just the really goofy way of discovering artists is my, my oldest memory of Stephen Curtis Chapman is his song King of the jungle being played at, my church
0: for v- vbs
1: no well something for it was for a puppet show okay they had this like puppet show act for the kids with king of the jungle going on in the background and i love that, that song so much <laughs> i, was like, Wait, is that I the, love this the lord
0: of the gentle breezes lord of the rough and tumble and he is the king of the jungle is that one yeah
2: that is the exact song Yeah, I almost I almost completely forgot um, the song "Dive" I had in a a church musical. Mm -hmm. So that was
0: DC Chalk's "Dive."
2: No, that's Stephen. No, that's Stephen Curtis Chapman.
0: Okay, there's multiple Um, dives. So
2: that was another song that helped me discover uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman.
1: The Superior Dive, the High Dive. (laughs) 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 I. uh i dive is like an all Stephen Curtis Chapman's dive is an all time classic of c c m radio and whereas i think t c talk supernatural is a bowl of poop um i know i said it um so i yeah i guess i'll 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 take it now um you take it when uh yeah i <laughs> i'll take it um so <laughs> when mark asked me about like formative uh artists i I kind of had two different sections where I could easily make this divide. Uh, whereas in like more like elementary school in my childhood, uh, the big ones would have been DC talk, Stevie wonder and the Beatles. Um, and then moving forward into like middle school, junior high, uh, the big three that were extremely formative. Uh, one as I already mentioned thrice uh, and then thousand foot crutch and backstreet boys. So I'll I'll stick mostly with the uh the the Christian ones, uh yeah. Quickly though, first I'll mention uh the Beatles, which I'm actually I'm not I'm not really crazy about them now. Um, I just don't I don't spend my time, uh, listening to much music from bands that aren't still active. Most of my time goes to artists that are still creating music. Um, yeah. So. But during my childhood, it's also, those were like my pre-album days. Because it's funny, uh, the, the the big albums of, of my childhood were their album One, which was just a collection of hits. And then a little bit after that, DC Talk's Intermission. And so for, for me, so much of my childhood is like radio hits. And I loved like the Newsboys singles on the radio, but I wasn't really affected by a, a work of art by them until Go. Um, when I was a freshman in high school, um, I loved uh, Michael W. S- Smith's b- big songs on the radio as a kid, but I didn't really become a big fan of his until uh, "Stand" in I think 2008. Does that sound right, Mark? Okay. 2006. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was that was close. Um, and then similarly, Steven Kerr Chapman loved his songs on the radio and started becoming a bigger fan uh, in like 2009 with Beauty Will Rise, but didn't become a huge fan until 2014. And he's, Steam Kerr Chapman is now one of the most formative artists in my life. And like you were saying, like the th- issues of, of adoption and, and parenting and loving children and knowing how to grieve well, mm. knowing how to mourn well and to be sad with an eye on heaven like that is something that uh, Chapman embodies so well. Um, when, again, you go back to my childhood, he was this, the guy who's saying King of the Jungle. Um, yeah. You know, I had these, like, a lot of, like, radio stuff that um, formed me as a as a music fan, and as, you know, I started writing songs a, as a kid. But one of the, the first albums I ever latched onto was Phenomenon by Thousand Foot Crutch. Um, mm And that was extremely formative for me. Um, One, it turned me into a a real music fan for the first time. Um, Where I was like, every time Thousand Foot Crutch comes to town, I need to go to their concert. And I had like, I got a poster signed by uh, Trevor McNevin. And um, I was there on the day that The Art of Breaking came out to buy the CD. I have phenomenon like playing in my bedroom whenever I had friends over for like sleepovers um you know I was like showing them to my friends and wearing uh, the t-shirt and it was the very first time that r- music became something that was like a taste and an interest that I was developing myself apart from uh my parents apart from just what like the culture was giving me very easily on the radio um, from your brother. Well, no, this is pre my brother, even. Oh, that's So, pre- like you brother, were saying, right? um, like what you were saying about how you, you would sometimes do things because it was the opposite of what your brother, like you, you wanted to do the opposite of emulating your brother. That was me for a very long time. Even when I started uh, playing music, I specifically stayed away from the guitar for years because that's what my brother played and I didn't want to be like him. Um, so, Thousand Foot Crutch came into my life uh, just a little bit prior to thrice um and again like thousand foot the crush like my brother didn't like them at all so it was kind of like a win for me because it was an artist that my brother didn't listen to didn't like it it was my thing um and it became this communal thing where uh my like youth group at the church also like thousand foot crutch my neighbors who came over to hang out We also we all came to like it together, and we go to the concerts together. Um, And so I I can pinpoint the the album phenomenon as really turning me into the music fan. Like here I am today, you know, having you know stacks and stacks of CDs over there on the wall, and writing reviews of new albums and following artists religiously. A lot of it goes back to phenomenon, uh, which I'm still very thankful for. And even though like I'm. Uh, spotty on thousand foot crutches career um and you know for some of their albums it took me years to come around to them like i didn't start liking welcome to the masquerade until it already been out for a few years um
2: yeah. that was the first thousand foot crutch album that i liked
1: I and mean, i believe that it's it's probably the best record they've made that was um, the art
0: of breaking that was my first yeah foot and even the, album. the art of
1: breaking uh, was a transition into alternative rock that I wasn't even ready for. So I like art of breaking more now than I did when it came out. Um, yeah. but still I can, I, I go back and, uh, can appreciate phenomenal a lot. And it's still something that naturally when I just have a guitar in my hands, I might just start playing a riff from the album because so much <laughs> of the album is just ingrained in my head. And in like those early days of me learning how to play guitar. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me. So, Nicole, your turn.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, my my story is a little different from yours because I didn't start really – I didn't know there was a whole world of Christian music until I was 14. Mm. So, I mean, my sister is six years older than me, so similar to you guys. And most of the music I listened to was music she listened to when I was a kid. And, of course, my parents, like especially my dad – contributed to my taste in music. So growing up, we listened to a lot of like Chicago, the band, not the musical and the Righteous Brothers, the Letterman, Um, you know, we listened to those people during long car raids and stuff. And my sister listened to Selene Dion and the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and yeah. yeah. (laughs) And the only Christian artist I knew about when I was younger was Rebecca St. James. My sister got her album Pray for Christmas one year. I think it was like, I forget the year, maybe 1998, 2000, something like that. and. That was a very solid album i thought her music was very refreshing it was just different from the other stuff but i never understood like the i don't really got the spiritual depth of her lyrics as a kid i just liked the sound of her music oh for sure yeah and then her album if i had one chance to tell you something came out when i was 14 which was you know the year that i became a christian and You know, I had grown up in church. I was a PK, actually. So it's kind of funny that we didn't really listen to a lot of Christian music. Um, But, you know, we were in a non-denominational church, kind of isolated. And uh, the church became very legalistic before I left. So by the time I uh, was kicked out, (laughs) which is part of my testimony, I won't go into that, but um, I started coming to the church I go to now because they had a youth group here. And one of my friends in high school went to the youth group and that's how I found out about the the church and their youth group. So in youth group, we were listening to all different kinds of music. And, and I talked to Mark via text about this. My very first day at youth group, they were doing a human video practice for the song set me free by casting crowns. And I had never heard of a human video before this. And I had just started coming that night and they were like, Hey, do you want to like be part of our human video practice? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know? And, And uh, it had a very deep emotional impact on me. And I started just opening my eyes and looking around for more Christian music because my spirit was hungry for it. Because before that, I was listening to a lot of like, and I mean, I'm not hating on secular music. There's a lot of secular artists that I I enjoy that some I still listen to. You know, like I was listening to artists like Linkin Park. Um, I would go on, like, Yahoo Music and just watch, like, a steady stream of music videos during my free time. Totally. And this was – yeah, and this was during the time when, like, you know, like, rock made a comeback because before that, like, hip-hop was kind of big and then rock suddenly came back when we had, like, bands like Fall Out Boy or My Chemical Romance, you know, those people. So freshman year of high school, this is like, 2006, 2007. And so, um, yeah, I I realized, though, that those bands – Even though the the music was good, uh, the, the spiritual impact wasn't good because I would listen to those bands and they would like fuel my anger against, you know, people that I had known who had hurt me and stuff. So when I started listening to Christian music, I noticed that there was this huge shift in my life and I started to feel like more at peace and I started to look at things with a different perspective. And one of the first Christian albums that I received was Fireproof from my cousin Peter um he had the album in his car and when i became a christian i was looking around for christian rock to listen to he's like oh i have the cd in my car and he gave it to me he gave it to me in like the the cd case for
1: fireproof sy- by pillar by pillar
0: yeah okay but he gave it to me in the in the cd case for system of a Down's chop stewie so, <laughs> so, like, so I had, like i had the cd case for chop stewie and then i opened it up and it's like Fireproof, but, I um, so that was my first Christian album that I technically owned, but the first one that we actually bought was Barlow Girls Another Journal Entry, and that album had a huge impact on my life because I remember like going home, putting it in the CD player. This was back when we had CD players, kids, and (laughs) um, I just felt like they were telling my whole life story. You know, the the first song is Gray, which is like this really like fun rocking out you know, song and everything. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then, but then they get to the deeper cuts, like Porcelain Heart, you know, and uh, at the end of the album, they had the acoustic version of Never Alone. And so that was my first time hearing the song because I had never heard like the studio version from their self-titled album. And so, yeah, it just, it really spoke to me during that time. And I just started to learn how to forgive people who had hurt me and started to discover my identity in God. And After that, I would say another album that shaped my formative years, because it was Rebecca St. James' Barlow Girl. The third artist I would pick would be Flyleaf during the Lacey Sturm era, of course. I don't really count the Kristen May era, sorry. (laughs) But um, I remember just like after I'd gotten Barlow Girl, I went through this phase where I started listening to more and more harder Christian music. So I was like, the harder, the better. So I was listening to Cutlass and then I was listening to Skillet, and I got Collide, and then I was listening to um, Flyleaf, and the hardest I could go was Demon Hunter, and I listened to the Triptych, and I had to convince my mom to buy the triptych because she looked at the album art and she's like, "This is satanic," and I'm like, "This is not. It's Christian. It's a Christian band." I it's promise. It's demon hunter. hunter. They're not hunting demon demons.
1: Worshipper.
0: Yeah, they're hunting. <laughs> is demons. the Bible
1: satanic for mentioning Satan? <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! Yeah, but the, the cover art does look intimidating to someone yeah. who doesn't know, you know, what the band's about. So, I remember, you know, getting that album and listening to like deteriorate and stuff. But anyway, um, but Flyleaf definitely like, shaped me a lot, you know, just... And I love the way that they performed and just the way that they were able to honestly express emotions like anger and Mm -hmm. sadness, but then they always put, like, the resolution by the end of the song so the listener never walked away from a song stuck in that place. They always found out, like, oh. Yeah, like, even, like, even if it's one line, they would always put something to resolve the song at the end because, like, if you listen to a song like Sorrow from their self titled. at the very end of the song... She screams, joy will come. And that's your resolution. So, like, they always did resolve it by the end of the song. And, yeah, I I was a big Flyleaf fan. I never got to see them live, unfortunately. They only came to New York maybe three times, four times, tops, during the time that Lacey was in the band. Yeah. And uh, I never got to see them. But I was a big fan. And, you know, they were also, like, a crossover artist, So I was able to, like, share them with my secular friends as well and just be like, yeah, you know you know that that song All Around Me on the radio? Yeah, I got, like, the whole discography. I have, like, their underground tracks, their unreleased stuff, you know.
2: Fun fact. Yeah, The first version of the song All Around Me that I heard was David Crowder's.
0: Yeah? Oh, wow. I believe that.
1: Actually, I would have guessed (laughs) that. (laughs) My fun fact is uh, that way back when, I think 2005, I saw a band called Veda in concert. Mm, okay. Veda, for legal reasons, had to change the name to Videra. And then the <gasps> singer Videra, Videra became the singer yeah. of Flyleaf.
0: He did not.
2: Kristen yeah.
1: May.
0: Kristen May. Oh, that's right. Videra is Kristen May. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Viridia. I'm so sorry. The
1: singer Viridia is my good friend Dina.
0: Yes, yes.
1: My, uh, my brother is actually getting married at Dina's house.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Aw.
1: So, and Dina, I, I found out recently, she got to hear some of the new Under Earth album. Apparently, it's real dark and real heavy.
0: Oh, boy. And
1: uh, uh, Mark, do you remember, I guess it would have been like a month or two now, but the album I forced you to listen to, Between the Heart and the Synapse by The Receiving End of Sirens? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That album had such like an effect in the scene that it really put that producer on the map. Uh, the producer's name is Matt Squire, um, and on the vi- the very first tour that Panic of the Disco was on, they were touring with the Rosyans Sirens, and they loved that record. So like they written recorded their album with Matt Squire, and then had that huge hit. I write since not tragedies, and so Matt Squire <laughs> like cr- his career path was just set. And uh, he's the person who made the new Underworld album, apparently. So, oh. secrets. It's very exciting. Hopefully, that should be coming out soon. Yeah. So uh, last week I forced you to listen to "Morning" by May. What did you think?
2: Uh, I'm gonna listen to it more. I think. Okay. Um, so. It's a good response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it's a good response. Um. So just a little bit of background here. I've listened to May before. I've listened to uh, The Everglow. I've listened to Destination Beautiful. But I think those are the only two May albums that I've listened to. Um, For The Everglow, I think the first couple of times that I heard that album, I really... Like, I really... Really like that album, and then it kind of faded off on me a bit um destination beautiful never really caught me um that's fair i think i've only <laughs> i think I've only really listened to that album like twice maybe um but I guess I really just never latched on to may and you know, it's kind of the same thing with, like, Copeland and a lot of these other, like, and we talked about this with Timothy, too. I I just don't really, I mean, emotionally, I can go for this emo sound and this, you know, these emo themes and whatnot, but, I mean, I can't. Really feel like I can really like that brand of music because it just feels so. You know, it feels too emotional. It's too. <laughs> su- I don't want to use the word is super too emo. <laughs> I don't want to use the word uh, superficial, but maybe <gasps> substitute a different word for that.
0: Emo it's music, very deep. Taught. It's a deep. It's very deep stuff. I mean, it's I, an acquired taste.
1: Emo music I'd, is what taught the world how to not be superficial. <laughs> Emo music is like we're gonna speak honestly about our feelings and just wear our hearts on our sleeves. It's uh, an acquired I don't taste. It, it,
2: does, it doesn't really come. It doesn't really come across the same to me as that. But anyway, I digress. That's all kind of laying the background here.
0: Shoe gazer. Um,
2: I've never gotten into Shoegazer either. Yeah, but
1: then you know, you look at morning as you're about to say like what you thought about it and i i don't think there's a fair way to really position morning as an emo album i think it really I is i know there there isn't it's yeah. it's not i yeah. don't
2: i don't listen to it as an emo album it is a, in it's an indie pop indie you know alternative it, it's it's not it's not emo it's like you know earlier we were talking about like even curtis chapman sounds that well, at, no, not Stephen <laughs> Curtis Chapman. Uh, like the Rich Mullins type sounds that are like kind of my home base. Yeah. And uh, this album is in my home base. Yeah. You know,
0: Minnesota. Just, just <laughs> from
2: the very opening song, Good Morning. You know, I'd never hear anything like Good Morning on Mm -hmm. the everglow or destination beautiful i haven't listened to singularity i don't think i've ever listened to singularity but i mean for morning and it's kind of funny too because when you introduced this album to me last week chase i actually took your advice and i listened to it once and then waited for a couple of days before i listened to it again and then i listened to it i think i've listened to it uh five times four or five times and um impressive well, I guess what I was kind of expecting was okay. Well, this is an album that you know maybe I'm not going to like at first, but is going to grow on me. Well, no, I l- really liked it from the first listen, and I like it with each you know subsequent listening, and it's still and it's still staying with me. Um, I think uh, the fisherman song, and especially two birds and night day are just amazing songs yeah and uh, you know two birds mainly because it just sounds so if there's any song that is like an emo song that's on the album it's definitely two birds (laughs) and that's uh for you know that makes sense of course
1: i mean are you Um, referring to boomerang uh
2: no i'm I'm not referring to boomerang i'm or maybe I might be referring to Boomerang. So, uh, I thought it was uh, Two Birds, though.
1: Two Birds is like the instrumental extension of Boomerang.
2: No, I am talking about Two Birds. Because I think it was an instrumental song. Okay. just It, it felt... You know... It, it felt...
1: Um, Emo? <laughs> just say no, it. No,
2: it didn't... Tell me the truth, Mark! I... <laughs> just say it! How can I tell you the truth when the truth isn't clear to me? I mean, remember, I only listened to this album for the first time a week ago, but... um, If I say something that's incorrect, does it mean I'm
1: lying? (laughs) No. It means you're incorrect. Yeah.
0: You just don't know it.
1: Well, as you're putting your thoughts together, fun tip for you and you and anyone who's listening. Night Day, the, uh, the song that you point out in this album... Is the perfect get out of bed song, especially if like you're having a groggy morning or if you're trying to wake up from a nap, like an afternoon nap. Mm. Put on this song, and it will get you going. It'll turn you alive. It's so good. <laughs> I'll
0: make it my alarm then, because I I Do can't it. I sleep through my alarm in the morning now.
1: <laughs> That's a problem. Oh, I've had that happen. Any other uh, thoughts on the album, or just um. No, I mean that's basically it. I mean
2: in comparison to every other segment on this it's fairly short, but you know it's actually a fairly short album, you know 37 and minutes, eight songs. I guess it's technically froze an real EP. Bad. It's a it very full frozen. length album type EP. Super it's actually just as long frozen. as uh, I'm glad Logic has the 14
1: hasn't frozen, song but Sky has 3, definitely frozen. <laughs> which is interesting. And now I'm Thanks. just talking to myself. Um this episode is going to be but, such a pain to edit. Yeah, so I mean, many pauses. If I re- I feel like so this is a type takes, of album that if I really so wanted to talk
2: rants, about it really Skype well, freezing, I would need to listen Skype to it up, uh, for longer than away. a week. We, we lost the chase. My and general I'm impressions I are just me. that I mean it's right I up my can. alley. You know, this is a song, like this it. is an album that I can really like and really get into and I don't think it's going to like the Everglow uh you know, lose its impact or lose its, um, you know, a, a grow, grow away from it, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that okay. is my thoughts on the album "Morning" by May. Hopefully, we'll get Chase back pretty soon. Uh, he can edit this. Yeah. That'll be like a running joke. Oh, Chase, you can edit
1: this. Yes. Oh, Chase. Oh, Chase you can edit 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 this nicole was there anything that you had to say about morning have you listened to it
0: i i listened to the first few songs on the bus and then i found out that my cousin had released an ep independently so i jumped onto that and listened to a few tracks from it sorry that's fair (laughs) that's fair (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) okay um And real quick before we wrap this up, uh, Chase, tell me just real briefly, what are your kind of like final thoughts on this album and why in particular did you pick it for me?
1: Uh, I just wanted you to listen to May. It was actually a last minute uh, like mental toying cost between Singularity and Morning. And I'd actually landed on Singularity and then just in conversation because of something you said, like really quickly switched to Morning. I don't exactly remember why. Um but I'm glad it was up your alley. I'm glad you liked it. I have had a really um tumultuous relationship with May over the years. Mm. Um we we've broken up and gone back together and broken up and gone back together. Um we're married now. We're we're happily married now. Uh I think we're in this for the long haul. Um I uh I like formative albums we could have gotten into Destination B sides and The Everglow those were right up there with me um, like second tier to like Thousand for Crush and Thrice Um, and then I just hated everything they started putting out after that including Singularity including Mourning and years later um, I finally gave them another chance and fell in love and so it's just it's up there with um, like my all time favorite records now so just Love sharing it with people. I, I love showing people the entire series of Morning, Afternoon, and Evening, and I have the re-release of it on vinyl that they put out this past year, and it's super cool. <laughs> but nothing nothing too, too deep about it, other than it being uh, great music that I think is worthy of being heard.
0: Check out May, folks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> have yourself a multi-sensory aesthetic experience. <laughs> you just
0: not like Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> Oh no, no, darling. No.
1: <laughs> so Mark, it is your okay. turn to assign me. Assign me an album that I will be forced to listen to this next week. Oh man. Do I this get one's... input? <laughs> we can have her so... <laughs> force me to listen to an album.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: No, I'm gonna force you to listen to an album. He wouldn't okay.
0: dare give up
1: this so... chance.
2: No, I would not dare to give up this chance. Um i tell you the truth, um, I have three albums that I'm trying to pick between even as we speak. Well, you can just hold two off for later. Des- I'm trying to decide if I want to give you a really long album, an okay length album, and something in between those two. Or if I want to give you a really new album, a really old album, or something in between those two. Uh, okay, so. so
1: you've you've mostly so far given me 72 minute long albums. So I, I think, and the one that's the one... due time that you give me something closer to like forty minutes.
2: Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's kind of the thing that you know. I had picked a certain album that I was going to give to because I re-listened to it again recently, and I'm like, ah, oh, I should give this to Chase. <sighs> but again, it was seventy-eight minutes, so I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I decided theme. I'm going to be nice. Thank you. and This is a good you know work what, that God Chase? has
1: prepared for you in advance to give me a shorter and you album. know what,
2: Chase? Um, I've already made you listen to one album that is generally considered an all-time great album released in 1988. So, therefore, I am going to give you another album that is considered an all-time great Christian album that was released in 1988. And that album is going to be Chase the Kangaroo from The Choir.
0: Oh. Your name, Chase. Is All right. The title?
1: My namesake, yeah. Yeah.
0: Chase the Kangaroo I guess, from The Choir. I guess I have. The choir. Um,
1: I've got stake in this one. Like, I'm. Yeah. I'm going to be thrust into another one of my identity crises if, if I don't like this album. So.
2: <laughs> well, thank you very much, listeners. And Chase, would you like to give us our sign off?
1: Yes. Uh. Thank you for listening to the JFH podcast. And it is not pronounced DeBias. The JFH podcast is hosted by Mark Rice and me, Chase Tremaine. Production editing and music is also by me. The podcast is executive produced by John DiBiase and Christopher Smith. If you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, please send an email to Christopher at JesusFreakHideout.com. Thanks again to this week's sponsor, Tooth and Nail Records, and please go check out their playlists on Spotify and the new EP titled Spiral Gaze by Off-Road Minivan. Now here is the full title track from that EP, Spiral Gaze.
0: So strong.